you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 1, and while you're turning there, I just wanted to update you on the Grace Home. We, several months ago, right back in December, we raised money to buy a home for pregnant teenagers that didn't have anywhere, coming from hard places, didn't have anywhere to go. And so for over the last month, we've got uh, the permits approved to do the renovations. Yesterday, about 20 men, 20 people rather, went out and did some stuff. There's a new roof on it. So it's getting ready. We're, we're uh, getting the, le- the leadership ready, the, the house people ready, and, and pretty soon uh, the prayer is we're going to be discipling young women. But I wanted to show you this before I get into Proverbs. Watch this video, will you? And I think it'll, I think it'll encourage you. Watch this. Hi, I'm Chesley DeLance, and I work with local missions. It took me some time to finally get the confidence to go on a missions trip, but when I did, it really changed my life. It impacted me in such a way that uh, I just want to continue to get involved. Well, in disaster relief, we've been to New Jersey. We've worked with Samaritan Purse, and we've gone to Bertie, North Carolina. We've done these extreme church makeovers where we uh, help out a church that may be small, that can't afford to do the work, and it really, it's just really cool to hear the pastors speak through their heart and appreciating us coming down there to help them. They're crying. They're just moved totally, and that obviously touches you. One of the uh, mission projects we went on was a disaster relief project, and one of the, the folks that went on the trip was the father of someone that went to this church. And during this trip, he gave his life to the Lord, and his life was obviously transformed. And seeing him get saved really showed the value of these trips. That's what it's all about. But when we were in South Carolina, we met this one gentleman. That we were gutting out houses, cleaning them out that were flooded. Uh, they were saying that he didn't want to have anything to do with the church or anything with people helping him. And then towards the end, he's out there in the... Um, He's given testimonies of what people have done for him, so his life was transformed. You know, we spent a whole hour just sitting there and talking with them and speaking with them, and I think that had probably a greater impact on them in the long run than, than helping fixing their house. And when we do these trips, it's not just about building floors, not about painting walls. Often the goal is to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Tanya, this is the best vacation day you can take if you went on these trips. You'll be changed, you'll be glad you did. Good stuff. We're so thankful for, yeah, give them a hand, will you? We're so, so thankful for our guys and gals that do that. If that's kind of your, your thing, then you can let us know. Everything's on the webpage. If you want to be a part, they'll be going out ever so often over the remainder of this year. We also, let me just share a few things, and then again, we'll get to the book of Proverbs. Keep your finger there. But this week, we have a foster care network at Clover Hill. We, we really have a passion to see uh, foster kids come into homes that are, that are spiritual, that love God, and that are equipped to take care of these kids from hard places. And, and one of those little babies came into care this week to Kelly and Joe Webster. And so they got this little baby. They'd gone through the training. They're a part of the network at Clover Hill. And here's the exciting thing. Immediately when they got the baby, they were put in touch with the first response person. We have a person as a, that's their job, first response. So any need they might have had. Yo, you got a new baby. We weren't expecting a, 
a month old baby, we have a crib, we can give you a crib, car seat, diapers, whatever you need, we're here to help you. And so it's part of the network. They were also connected with a mentor or an encourager just to come alongside. How's it going? What can I do? Can I do something for your older kids? How's your marriage? Is it strong? Is there... And then they're also given a respite person that can keep the little baby for a period of time. It's like an aunt or an uncle, a grandparent, not necessarily aged, but kind of serves in that, in that area where they can keep them for a night, keep them for a weekend, just to give them a break. And then we have a network, a, a, a support group that meets on Friday nights where foster parents, adoptive parents just come together, share their struggles, learn, interact. Just a great time. And so, so that's what we're trying to accomplish. We, if you're interested in that foster care, more than just bringing a kid in your home, but any of these other pieces that I've, I've mentioned, and there's even others, will you just email agrant at cloverhillag.org? That's my wife, Angie Grant, agrant at cloverhillag.org. We'll get you plugged in. We'll help you find your specific place where you can serve and where you can be a part of. And, and we just want to change the world. We want one kid at a time. One family at a time, one baby at a time for the glory of God. How many know the best, person for, best place for a little baby to grow up is in the care and in the love of somebody that loves Jesus and has a heart for God? So, so just be aware of that. That's also available. And then tonight, a group of guys will go to Beaumont. You say, well, I don't like babies. Well, we got teenagers you can go to. And, and uh, there's a group that are going tonight to Beaumont uh, Juvenile Detention Center where every Sunday night they'll go over there, they'll share their lives, share testimony, share in song, just love on those boys and encourage them in the walk with the Lord. And you say, Pastor, why do you do that so much? Why do you encourage us to serve? Why do you encourage us to get involved? Why in your bulletin is there, Pastor Andrew mentioned it, he'll mention it later, is there a piece about serving the church and making a difference? I'll tell you why, because this is what, this is what Paul told Timothy. And Timothy is a, is a young preacher, a lot like me, young preacher, probably, uh, real good, yeah, whatever. Here's what he said, command them. This is what Paul told Timothy, command them to do good. And so I'm not Timothy, and Timothy's not your pastor, but I'm your pastor, if you call me your pastor. And so I'm just trying to do what Paul told me to do, command them. You know what a command is? It's for your good, for others' benefits, or for the good of the kingdom. Command them to do good to be rich in good deeds, to share their resources and share their times, share their experience, share their, 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 their gifts, and be generous and willing to share so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. You really don't start living until you're rich in good deeds, till you're generous and you're willing to share. And so as long as I have breath in my body, I'm going to command you to do these things. And I'm just encouraging you to get on board, be a part, so that you can experience true, overcoming, overflowing life in the name of Jesus. Amen? That's good. Here, here's this morning. We're going through the book of Proverbs for the next five weeks, and we're just going to learn some, some uh, insight. And let, let's just get into it. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. I think we'll let the text talk about what it's about. So it says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon. Proverbs are not Prince, they're not, they're not promises. I think if you're taking notes, write a few of these things down. There's a, there's a sheet for notes in your bulletin. They're not promises. They're principles, the majority of them. And so, so what I mean, they're insights for living. They're, they're not, you can't necessarily, if you do it this way, this is how life most likely works. If you'll, here's, let me just give you this example. Teach your children to choose the right path, and when they're older, they'll remain on it. So, so that's the principle. 
If you teach them the things of God, if you get them in environments where they can experience the Holy Spirit, like this, this uh, youth retreat coming up, the power-up thing, you get them, you model Christianity, you live for God, you serve God, you, you, sobriety, you provide nurture and structure, then there is a really great chance. This is how it usually, li- this is how it usually works. This is, this is usually the rule, that they're going to either stay on the path, or when they get old, they're going to come back to the path. But how many of you know there's exceptions to every rule? And it doesn't, you, there, there are probably some parents in here this morning that have done this. They've done their very best and tried to model Christianity and serve God. But for whatever, your, kid, your kids are still prodigal. They're not serving the Lord. And here's the reality. Our kids have a free will, and they get to choose. But the Proverbs writer is saying, hey, you got a lot better chance. There's a lot better opportunity if you do it this way. If you don't leave it to chance, if, if you just, oh, whatever happens, ha-. no. If you're intentional, if you're somewhat strategic, if you got a plan for your kids and a vision for their future, then most likely they're going to either stay on the right path or return to the right path. It's the principles found in the book of Proverbs. So they're not promises, they're principles. It talks about hard workers uh, uh, will get rich and lazy people will get poor. Well, I've seen lazy people uh, get an inheritance or money. And, and so it's just sometimes there's exceptions to every rule. They're principles, not promises. So, so the book of Proverbs, it's all about wisdom for living. You, you, heard of that, you heard of that series, uh, the book for dummies, all those dummy things. You know there's only 50, there's 1,500 titles. Nutrition for dummies, uh, math for dummies. Am I the only one that's ever seen that? Uh, <laughs> preaching for dummies. Maybe I need to read that one. Uh, what, what, whatever there is, there's just for dummies. And what they're trying to do is take the complex, the, the, the insight that you maybe... Uh, only for advanced people and make it simple and put it on the bottom shelf so people like me and you can understand it. And that's what the book of Proverbs is. It's, it's living life for dummies, making life work for dummies. And so I, I, he, all, it's all about being wise. And it's written by, if we go back, so it's all these principles. It's written by Solomon. Let me just give you some backstory really quick. Solomon is David's, one of David's son. You remember David and Goliath David? David and Bathsheba David, you remember that story? Uh, David, supposed to be out in the war, he's looking over his city, sees this beautiful woman, Bathsheba bathing, calls her, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant. Oh no, what have I done? I've got to have a cover up. And so he brings her husband, Uriah, home from battle because he's an honorable man. And, and he try, David tries to get him drunk and then to go sleep with his wife. Didn't work one night, kept him back another night. Uriah said, I'm not going to do that. I got men out fighting. I'm not going to enjoy the pleasures of home while my men, just a man of integrity, a man of character, a man of honor and value. And and so David says, okay, well, here, just take this note to the the commander on the battlefield. And what the note says is, hey, put Uriah up front. And when the battle gets heated, everybody draw back. And so they did that and they drew back and Uriah died. And so David took Bathsheba into his house. He thinks everything's okay. Everything, oh, problem solved, took care of that. Swept it under the rug, no problem, until Nathan the prophet comes to him and find, find, uh, just kind of calls him out. And to David's credit, he repents. He turns from it. He realizes, listen to what he says. Uh, he says, when I kept things to myself, this is David talking, I felt weak deep inside me. You ever tried to, you ever tried to hang on to sin and cover it up and, and not allow it to come to light and, and try to deal with it on your own? You got, maybe today you've got some secret sin. I'll tell you, this is how you'll feel. You're either feeling this way right now or you will feel like this very soon. 
There's this weak deep inside me. This, I, just, I'm just, all, I just moan all day long, day and night. I just feel this punishment. My strength was gone, as in the summer heat. And, and what that is, it's just conviction. It's, it's, uh, it's condemnation by the enemy. It's conviction by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, your, it's, your, it's just trying to get you to, to awaken to your sin. But then David said, but, I, but when I confess it, when I brought it to lie, and I didn't hide it any longer, when I confess my sin, the Lord forgave me of my guilt. That, that's the only thing you got to do to receive forgiveness, is just bring it to light. Don't let it stay in the darkness. And that's when the Lord can begin to heal you and help you. I can't tell you the number of men that have been bound by pornography. And, and they lived with this, this constant guilt and, and just this anger and resentment. And once they got free, it came out in the open. It was bad. Don't, don't get me wrong. There were consequences. And David suffered the consequences. I mean, his integrity was shot. His character was ruined. The sword never departed from his kingdom. He lost his son that Bathsheba got pregnant with. His son, hit David's son, did the same thing to him in the public, what he tried to do in the private. David dealt with all the consequences. When you're sin and you bring it to light, there's some scandal. Man, you'll deal with the consequences. But there is such relief. There, there is this, uh, it's like fresh air, man. This is finally out, and I can finally move on with my life. And that's what David did. And, and so David gets right, and, and David, him and Bathsheba, uh, they marry, and, and they have another son. And the other son is Solomon. And so I just think it's a picture of God's grace where, where what maybe many would thought, well, it's just ruined, it's done, David's over, no longer can he be used. No, God gives him another son, a, 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 rebirth, a, a retry, a rebirth, a, a, a redo. And so this son comes along and David tries to raise him and, and he, he lives under the failures of his father and kind of a kingdom that's kind of whacked up because of David's mistakes. But Solomon comes in the rule and this is what he asked God. God says, what do you want, Solomon? I'll give you whatever you want. He says, I want wisdom, God. I want wisdom to rule your people. I want wisdom to discern right from evil. More than anything, don't you want riches? No, 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 no. Don't you want gold? Don't you want stuff? No, I want wisdom. I want to be wise. And Solomon often didn't even adhere to his own advice. Solomon made a wreck of his life at times as well, but Solomon was the, one of the wisest men to ever, to ever live. It, it's recorded in Scripture, his, his decision-making, his ability to discern right from wrong was really unparalleled to any other. And he collected all these sayings, he, he looked at his life, everything he'd done wrong, and he, and he compiled under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit this book we called Proverbs. So again, it's just, it's just life for dummies, how to make life work. I, I want, I want you to be wise. Here's what, here's what Solomon's saying. I don't want you to make the same mistakes I made. I don't want you to walk down the same road I walked down. I don't want you to experience the same failures that I felt. How, how many know you can learn from other people's experience? That you don't have to go through the same trials and feel the same pain and go through the same hurt to learn a valuable lesson. And Solomon's just saying, hey man, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just practice this? Why don't you allow this principle to guide your life? It's going to keep you from a lot of affliction. It's going to keep you from a lot of pain. It's going to keep you from a lot of hurt. Follow this way. Walk in it. And you'll see your life fruitful and blessed. That, that's the principle. That, that's the, that's the, the rule, not the exception. And so in the book of Proverbs, we're going to talk about it for five weeks. I'll break down several things. Today's just kind of a foundation. Who wrote it? What it's about? And there's really four people that are mentioned in the book of Proverbs. And I want to go through them very quickly. First is the simple. It's in your, it's in your outline. You can follow along. It's the simple. It's also known as the naive. 
And, and he takes great length to go through uh, these, these folks. Proverbs 131. For the waywardness of the simple will kill him. The waywardness of the simple, the naive, and I'll tell you what that means. And the, comple- and the competency of fools will destroy them. We'll talk about fools next. The, the simple, here, here's who the simple are. They, if you, you don't know you're simple. Because if you knew you're simple, you wouldn't be simple anymore. It's usually, it's usually teenagers. It's usually between the age of 13 and, and 21. And I feel like in our culture now, we've extended uh, puberty, our, our adolescence, a lot longer. I mean, it used to be when you were 21, you had to become a man. Now, 27, 28, 35-year-olds still living at home playing Atari. Not Atari, playing X, whatever they play nowadays. <laughs> we used to play Atari, but that, we don't play that anymore, do we? So just kind of living out their life, doing it. So usually you grow out of this. Hopefully you will. The, again, you, you don't know you're simple because you, you don't, it, and I'm not, and the writer's not cracking on you. He's not making fun of you. It, if, you're, if you're a teenager this morning, I love you. I'm for you. You're just simple. You're just naive. You know what that means? You don't have enough life experience to really make good, sound judgments. And all the parents said, amen, if you, if you have teenagers. And, and teenagers, again, we're not knocking you. We love you. We want the best for you. I mean, we, we, we want Clover Hill. Want, we don't feel like you're the church of the next generation. We feel like you're the church of this generation, that you have value and importance. You're significant, that you can have a close walk with God. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can make a difference in your world for Christ. But the, but the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And let me, let me describe that to you. So, so I'll tell you, I'm your pastor. I, you know, I'm 46. I've lived life a little bit longer than you have. I, I've seen a little bit more. Hey, don't, sex before marriage is wrong. It, it will, it, you don't want to go down that road. You want to wait till you're married. You want to, you want to commit to a, a life of purity. And a simple person will say, well, he's just a stick in the mud. He's just archaic. He's just, he's just ancient and old doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a killjoy and doesn't want me to have any fun. You know why they say that? Now, I don't even think it's out of a spirit of rebellion all the time. I think because they're just naive. They, they don't understand. Here's, here's what the Proverbs writer said. There was this simple guy, this naive teenager. And here's, he was, the wise person was looking out the window. He was looking through the curtain. And I saw some simple or naive young men, one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of a moral woman. So he, well, why did he lack common sense? And why was he simple? Because he was somewhere he had no business being. And that's not just for teenagers. That's for every age. But in this particular case, this guy was just, he was just, man, if, 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 this, if it feels so right, it's got to be right. I, I, there's nothing wrong with this. And so he's headed to the house of this immoral woman and, and, and just maybe a, a, a girl that, whatever, down the path by her house. It was at twilight, and the evening was deep. Uh, in the evening, as deep darkness fell, and the woman approached him and seductively dressed and, and, and sly of heart. So, so he again, he's going, man. I'm not listening to the wise person. I'm not listening to my parent. If it feels so good, it's got to be right. They don't know what they're talking about. Nobody's going to get hurt. Nobody's going to get pregnant. Nobody's going to catch some disease. And obviously, they think that because now you put yourself in. They've never counseled. A 17-year-old girl who gave herself to some boy because he loved her, and the next week he was in love with somebody else. Never dealt with that. Never dealt with a girl crying 
uh, that, that said all she could do for, for hours at end was take showers because she felt so unclean and so impure. Never, never dealt with a 19-year-old boy who caught a sexually transmitted disease. Unless a miracle of God happens, he'll live with it the rest of his life. Never did that. Never, never, never sat across the table with their teenager trying to talk to them about, about sex before marriage. And a, and a teenager asked him, well, how many people did you sleep with before you got married? Never, never had to deal with any of that stuff. So it's just a lack of experience. It's a lack of knowledge. And so what, what, what happens in this guy, he follows her. He's naive. He's simple. Like an ox going to slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, to an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it'll cost him his life. See, sex before marriage does not, it doesn't make life better. It makes life more complicated. And I, I'm telling you that from experience. I'm telling you that from counsel. I'm telling you from that, from from the people that I've had to deal with and the situations that I've been, a, been, been, been privy to. And, 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 and it's not... Well, here, here's another one. Why do credit card companies go after college freshmen? Because they're simple. And because credit card companies, they make me mad. And they'll say, hey, just get... Hey, you can si- sign this. You don't have a job. You don't make any money. But we'll give you $25,000. Hey, I know it's 21%. But don't worry about that. You know, your mom and daddy, they'll take care of you. They'll do whatever. And they sign on the dollar. Why do they do that? Because they know these young people are naive. And they know you'll take the bait. Because you don't know. You don't know the struggle and the strain and the weight of going into marriage $20,000 in debt. You don't know the burden of not being able to buy your first house or go into ministry or, or do something you've always wanted to do because at 21 years old you made a stupid mistake and signed on the line. And so the, so the Solomon, he's just saying, hey man, don't let me teach you before you get there. Don't go through the pain of life. Don't go through the heartache. Let me share. You know, the other day, why, why do middle school kids and high school kids smoke? I, because they're simple. They're naive. We're driving down the road the other day. It's like 20 degrees outside. This pretty girl, I mean, she must have been, not, couldn't have had her license long, 17 years old. She's got her window half down, and she's puffing on this cigarette. I mean, it's 20 degrees. She's freezing, but there's smoke all. And, 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 and you know, teenagers, that's cool. I'm, I'm not going, Angie, look at that, baby. Look how cool that girl is. She, man, the way she blows that smoke, wouldn't, wouldn't that be fun to, to really? Why? Because. I've seen people cough up lungs. I've, I've heard, I've had people sit in my office say the doctor gave me two weeks to live. I, I, here's another thing. I, I want you to be at this church a long time, and I don't want your tithe going to a pack of cigarettes. It's $20 a pack now. It's, it's, just, it's just using wisdom. So listen to me, young person. Maybe you're, you should be through this simple stage, but you're still in it. How do I get out of it? You listen to counsel. You listen to to wise people. You study the Word of God. People who accept correction are on the pathway to life. If you don't tell me, I know more, I'm smarter than you. You're 17 stinking years old. You're not smarter. You're not wiser. And I'm trying to do it for your own good and for your own benefit. Listen to your mom and dad. You might think they're archaic and old. They've been down the road that you've been. They, they've made some errors in their way, and then they're trying to help you. But those who ignore correction, those who ignore wisdom, those who ignore advice, 
will lead others astray. You find there's the simple. There's, this, here's, there's the next group is this group they call them, the, the Proverbs writer calls them the fool. And here's, here's what it says about the fool. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools de- despise wisdom and discipline. And so the fool takes it a whole other step. These guys know better, but they do it anyway. They've read the warning label, but they don't care. The, the fool, it's, he's all about now and never later. He's all about, hey, I'm just going to have fun now. I'm going to do my thing now. I'm going to experience life now. And whatever happens tomorrow, I'll deal with it tomorrow. Here, here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 1.23, about a fool. A fool finds pleasure in evil conduct. He get, he, he just, that, that's what he's drawn to. That's what he's about. That's what he wants to experience. He, again, it's all about now, not later. Here's another thing about a fool. As a dog returns to its vomit, you ever seen that? They eat grass and... And I'm not trying to put a bad, but the psalmist, so I will. So he, you know, he blows chunks and then he goes and tries it. So a fool repeats his folly, does the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's foolishness. That's folly. I'm just going to keep doing the same over and over and over. Johnny Manziel, he, he's in the paper a lot nowadays on if you're at sports at all. And, and, and let me just tell you, if you don't know sports, Johnny Manziel it was a star quarterback at Texas A&M, broke all kind of records. Uh, clo- did he win a Heisman Trophy, close to a Heisman Trophy, and just did really well. So he's drafted out of college, taken by the Cleveland Browns. And, and Johnny Manziel, I'm not, telling, I'm not saying he's a fool. I'm saying he's living like a fool. His actions describe the thing of a fool. He's getting high all the time. They've tried to check him into rehab. He won't go. He's got this multi-million dollar contract. He's got, he's got life by the tail. He's got his future secured if he could just get his mind right and his attitude right and his heart right. Other people have begun to speak into his life. I mean, Charlie Sheen, if he's saying, man, he, whoever he is, he's saying, Johnny, you got to get it right. This other guy, Todd, and I don't know if you know these names, Todd Moranovich, he did the same thing 20 years ago. Drafted high out of college, couldn't quit smoking marijuana, ruined his career, ruined his life. Now he's a bum, and he's saying, Johnny, don't, don't go down that road. Everybody's telling him. But John, he doesn't care. He's just a fool. I'm, I'm not calling Johnny Manziel a fool. I'm using him as an illustration. He's acting like a fool. He, he's, he's ruining his future, his life. He won't get help. He won't listen to counsel. I can do this. I'm bigger than this. I know nobody else has been able to live my kind of lifestyle and be successful, but I can do it. And so he's headed down that road to well, It's the same way with the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son? He said, God, Dad, give me all my wealth. He goes out. He squanders it on wild living, and he ends up in a pig pen. And you know what he says in the pig pen? I've become a what? A fool. And fools can only get delivered. Fools can only get relief when they realize they're acting the fool. When they only come to their senses and realize and repent and say, I'm not smarter than God. I'm not smarter than his word. I don't know. Really, fools oftentimes have to hit rock bottom before they can look up and start hitting back. And I'm just telling you today, the pro- I'm not. Solomon is. Don't, don't, don't wait till you hit rock bottom. I mean, listen to counsel. Heed, heed experience. Listen to the word of God. Make it your, stand on God's principles and, and on, on God's, what he says. I want you to be successful. I want you to know what it is to have full and, and, and abundant life. I don't want you to miss out on all that I have for you. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to waste. I don't want you to live with regrets and remorse. 
I want you to live in a way that brings, brings glory to my name and honor to your name and a life full of abundance and grace where you can look back on it and, and say, man, I lived my life well. And you can hear the words of, of Jesus, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. There's another person, and he's called the mocker. Write that down, the mocker. He goes a whole nother, so you got the simple or naive, the, the fool, and then you got the mocker. goes a whole nother level past the fool. And what the mocker does is I'm up here preaching, and I, I'm saying, hey, don't have sex outside of marriage. And, and don't, and, and, and look, make sure your t- body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, young person, and honor the Lord with that. And, and, and don't go into debt. It doesn't make any sense. And, and, and if I talk, whatever, and the mocker says, well, you're supposed to say that. You're a preacher, and you're the one that's caught. You, you're trying to force your morality and your values and your, your, your thinking on me. And it's people like you that are ruining the country and ruining America. That's the, that's the mocker. Uh, you know, again, I was I, I read reading the paper, looking at the news, and and Dylan Claybold. I don't know if you remember that name, but that was the guy that went into Columbine High School. Uh, I don't know, 15 years ago, and did all that shooting. They, they him and another friend drafted. Well, his mom has just started talking about it. Whatever, 14, 15 years later, and very broken mother, very repentant. I mean, you just feel so bad for her, so sorry for her. But as I was thinking about that, I also met maybe one of the first shootings was in Paducah, Kentucky. I don't know if you remember that one, but there was a group of teenagers that were sitting around in the cafeteria and they were praying. They were praying for their friends, that, that they would make good decisions. They were praying for their campus, that they would get a revelation of God's love. They were praying for one another, that they'd make good decisions and live for God. And, and, and this guy comes in and shoots them and kills multiples of them. And, and, a, and, a, and, and an editorial comes out in the paper the next week trying to blame the Christian kids on the attack of that shooter. So not, not saying the boy was demonized and something was wrong with him. No, no, it's the Christian's fault. If they weren't praying, if they weren't forcing their morality, if they weren't trying to change culture, if they weren't trying to do what they were doing, none of this would ever happen. That's a mocker. That's a mocker taking, taking the principles and the, and the ideas and, the, and, and, and what God says and says, that's foolishness, that's ignorant. I'm going to live how I want to live. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, you say, okay, well, what, what is the result of that? What's the fate of the simple? What's going to happen to them if they don't listen to, to wise counsel? What's the future of the fool look like? What if they don't repent and get up? What awaits the mocker if there's no change of heart and repentance? Let me, let me read it to you. It's, it's, it's quite a bit. Stay with me. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gates. So here's wisdom. And, and wisdom is saying, hey, I got this principle for you. I got this truth for you. Wisdom comes in the form of spiritual leaders. Wisdom comes in the form of authority. Wisdom comes in the form of those who experience the thing that you're going through. Wisdom, wisdom comes in the Word of God. It's shouting out. It's saying, hey, walk this way. Live this way. Honor the Lord this way. How long, you simpletons? You guys, you, got, you, you can't be told anything? You ins- How long are you going to insist on being so naive? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. And I love this because it's never too late. There's always grace. There's always forgiveness. You're fool. You're simple. You're a mocker. Hey, man, I got something better for you. There's a better way of living. In fact, it's ten times better. Get out of your foolishness and listen to counsel. I'll share my heart with you and I'll make you wise. 
I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. There's people right now, they're trying to speak into your life, and you're not allowing it. And you're playing the part of the fool. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice. You rejected my correction I offered. So I'll laugh at you when you're in trouble. Okay, you don't want wisdom? You don't want the right way to live? I'll mock you when disaster overtakes you, because that's what's going to happen. When calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. Listen, this is not what God is saying. This is what wisdom says. I want to give you wisdom. I want to give you insight. You need to go after it, but if you, don't, if you don't adhere to it, if you don't follow it, then all this stuff's going to happen. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way. Wow. How many can say that from experience? How many can say that from looking at somebody around you? Choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency, their lack of integrity, their double standard. Living one way in this setting, living another way in another setting. But all who listen to me, wisdom speaking, all who listen to wisdom will live in peace. Isn't that what you want? Man, that's what I want for you. Untroubled by fear of harm. So I got like 10 minutes. I got just a fit, five, really five minutes to wrap this thing up. Keep your key, and I might go a little longer, so don't throw anything at me. But I got a few minutes to wrap this thing up. Keep your, so how do I gain wisdom? Great question. Here's the first thing. Let me skip to fear God. Fear God. What, what does fear God mean? Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord teaches a person to be wise. You know, I used to think in this context, I mean, reverence and awe, and, and there is a word in the, in, the, in the Greek that means all that. You know what it means in the Proverbs? It means be afraid. Be very, very afraid. Be afraid of the Lord. He's God and you're not. It's like, here, you want me to describe it to you? Ananias and Sapphira, remember in Acts chapter 5, they sold a piece of property. At that time, all the disciples were living in one heart, one accord. They were sharing with one another. And Ananias comes in and Peter says, hey, what, what did you get for that piece of property? And Ananias says, oh, we gave it all to the church. We, we just want to be generous. He was prideful. He was arrogant. And it wasn't about what they gave or didn't give. It was about him lying. He lied. He said, I gave this amount when they really didn't. And Peter said, hey, you've not only lied to God, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And Ananias was struck dead. They carried him out. Sapphire, his wife, comes in. And he get, Peter gives her, hey, how much did you get for this land? What's this all about? And she goes, oh, we prideful, arrogant, boastful. Oh, we gave it all. That's all we had. We just want to be generous. They were probably looking for a position in the church. We just want to be, we just want you to have it all. And, and Peter goes, you not only lied to me, but you've lied to God. Struck her dead. She was taken out. You know what the Bible says? Great fear sees the whole church. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. God is love and God is grace, but he's also a consuming fire. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's in him that I live and move and have my very being. He's the potter, I'm the clay. He's the creator, I'm the creation. It, he's in charge. He's overall. He knows best. He, the fear of the Lord. You, one more example. You remember John? John? John the disciple, the one that Jesus loved. I mean, 
Jesus had all these friends, had 70. The crowds followed him. The 70 were close to him. He had 12 in his, in his real close parameter, 12 men that he invested in. He sold it. He had three in his inner circle, and one of them was John. John, even in the book of John, John said about himself, I'm the one that Jesus loved, which is kind of funny to me. But then, then John gets exiled on the island of Patmos. He gets a revelation of the Lord, and Jesus shows up. Jesus, his buddy. Jesus, his pal. Jesus, the one that he was. Listen, there weren't, there weren't any high-fiving. There wasn't any chest pumping. There wasn't big guy in the sky. Listen to what it says. I turned to see who was speaking to me, and I saw seven lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstand was someone like the Son of Man. And he was wearing a, a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool. They were as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. And his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like the mighty ocean's way. He's a bad dude. This, this, he held seven stars in his right hand. And a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I didn't high-five him. I didn't say, hey, buddy, how you doing? I didn't say, hey, big guy in the sky, thanks for coming down here. I didn't run up to him and chest bump him, no. I fell on my feet as if I were dead. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. Look, I'm not talking. There's two, there's two lanes to this Christianity. Yes, there's love and there's grace and there's mercy and there's kindness and there's gentleness and there's forgiveness and there's second chance. But there is an also a God in heaven who knows best and, and is above all and over all. And, 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 you, and, he, and he's God almighty and we need to fear him if you want wisdom in your life. If you want wisdom in your life. Here's the next thing. The last thing. Pursue it. Go after it. Seek it out. Don't sit back waiting for it to come to you. You want to be wise? Get around wise people. You want to be wise? Get in the house of the Lord. Where, and I, 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 you know, I'm not the best preacher, but I promise you I'm going to give you scripture. I'm going to try to help you apply it to your life. I just want to sow the word of God into your heart. That's how you get wise. You want to you be wise? Come under full submission of your parents, young people. Don't wait till you have to hit rock bottom before you start digging out. This is what we're going to do. I got more. I, maybe I'll be able to come back to it next week. And we got a lot to cover over the next four weeks. There's so many truths, so much wisdom in the book of Proverbs. So much. And I'm only going to be able to hit a, a, some of it. This is what I want you to do. I want you to read a proverb a day during this series. And when you do this, it's not a lot. I, I want you to do it correlating to the uh, day of the month. So, so today's the 21st, and I skipped all those. So, so today's the 21st, and so this morning I read Proverbs 21. And this is the verse, this is the principle that struck me. And you, it, you, you'll get another one, Proverbs 21, 23. If you keep your mouth shut, you'll stay out of trouble. That's a good one for me. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to study. And this is what I know. There's probably a good chance today I'm going to get home Angie's going to say something, the kids are going to say something, and I'm going to have an opportunity to force my will and force my way and say something that I'm going to regret. You know what I need to do? I need to tap into the wisdom of Solomon and say, Stan, keep your mouth shut, and you'll stay out of trouble. You know, on my way home, some joker's probably going to, good chance, cut me off. 
And, you know, I could get up beside him and wag my bony finger at him or I could listen to the Word of God and just shut my mouth and stay out of trouble. This might be the best thing you've heard all day. <laughs> my baby girl plays in uh, the championship rec league. Ba- you ever seen rec league girls basketball? God help us. But I got to go tonight. She's in the championship game. And that ref's going to call a foul on her that I don't think needs to be called. And that coach probably ain't going to play her at the time. I think she needs to play. But if I'm smart, if I'm wise, I'm going to keep my mouth shut and stay out of trouble. Over the next, next month. So tomorrow you'll read Proverbs 22. We'll just work our way through the book. Here, here's what else I want you to do. Not only read, uh, come every week and invite a friend. We, we just bought 100 new chairs, and some of you are sitting in them. They're the hard ones. So if you, if you got a friend you don't like, bring them to church, put them in a hard chair. And uh, he'll think it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Draw them, I don't know what he'll think. But we want this place filled because this goes for everybody. The, the principles I'm going to share with you, it's not just for, it's for nine, it's for everybody. You just want to be wise and succeed in life? Proverbs is a great book. And then come, 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 come with a friend. And then thirdly, desire to grow by applying what you know. Just don't be doers, be hearers. And here's the last thing I want to share with you. Here's probably my favorite book, verse in the book of Proverbs, and maybe what it's centered around the whole thing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And here's, this is really how it winds down. Well, I'm smarter, I'm better, I know best, I can do it on my own, I don't need God. No, 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 no. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. There's a way which seems right to a man, but it ends in death. But I'm, but I'm so smart, I've had so many experiences. God's smarter, God's wiser. In all your ways, submit to him. Another translation says, acknowledge him. Come under what he says, and he will make your path straight. Amen, everybody? Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts.